You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, dandy and definitely darling data devotees. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 13, and of course, I'm your humble host, Karen. And together, we are your double duo of dexterous detail dealing deputies. <laughs> Dang. We're a double duo. Double, double duo. duo. I guess I see what you do. Oh. <laughs> Two duos. Two duos. That's yeah. your best one yet. I'm marking the show 15. Oh. Oh, best yeah. alliteration. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, it is episode 13. Uh, we should have really done our superstition show for this show. Makes a little bit more it sense. It makes so much sense now in retrospect. <laughs> we'll and try the, to match later episodes up with appropriate numbers. Yeah, our 42 uh-huh. can be meaning of life. Yep, yep. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. Can 16 can be like John Hughes movies. Oh! <laughs> yes. Yes. Let's, yeah. Okay. All right. We're committing ourselves. Here we have... I'm Colin. Dana. And Chris. Woo! And 13, in our superstition episode, uh, the fear of 13 is tr- uh, tri- triskaidekaphobia. <laughs> triskaidekaphobia. Fear of 3 and 10. And you also shared that it was an EMERP number. Oh, yes, that's right. It was the smallest prime number that, if you reverse the digits, is also a prime number. Uh-huh. I also found out that 13 is also a what mathematicians called a happy number a mm-hmm. happy number which which means what so a happy number by definition uh, you start out with any positive integer and you replace the number by the sum of the square of its digits so 1 and 3 are the digits so the squares mm-hmm. would be 1 and 9 mm-hmm. and you repeat the process until the number equals 1 when you add it together so if they equal to 1 then it's a happy number. If it doesn't, then it's a sad huh. number. Oh. I like math terms, like imaginary oh. numbers. Do they have like sparkle numbers? Sparkle numbers. <laughs> Shiny numbers. Rainbow numbers. <laughs> yeah. So 13, 1 plus 9 equals 10. Yeah. And then you take the digits uh, of those. Square of 1, one square of zero, 0, 1 plus zero, plus zero, one. Zero, 1. I huh. see. So What, is this useful at all? I don't <laughs> think so. I really don't think I so. I bet there's a way it, it works in some, like, One, one more piece of formula. evidence for mathematicians need to get out more. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we also have some cool news, bizarre headlines. The big brainiacs over at MIT solved the age-old question of pouring ketchup smoothly onto things. Oh, right. I read about that. The stuck ketchup problem has now been solved uh, by MIT engineers. uh, And what they did was they actually invented a slippery bottle coating. Yes. Right, right. That takes away a lot of the, the friction. Sense. Yeah, right. that the ketchup gets stuck in the bottle. And it's called Liquid Glide. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds uh, like something you might find at an again, adult novelty I know, store. Exactly. <laughs> MIT, MIT engineers, again, proving that they're really good at inventing things, not so great at <laughs> yeah. We'll leave that to marketing. Let's get the marketing deal. Liquid yeah. Glide. Uh, it's made out of non toxic. And FDA approved materials, though it has not been disclosed what actually <laughs> liquid light is made out of. It's made of a substance who we knows? found inside this meteorite. <laughs> so Can we call knows? it tomato move? Oh, tomato move. Tomato move. But what if you use it for honey and other and you, mayonnaise? Right. Oh, I suppose. Right. Or mustard. Or right. Yep. Right. Right. Well, think anyway. of more condiments yeah. we can use it. With. <laughs> yeah. Uh, podcast at gmail for all your naming suggestions. <laughs> yeah. All right, and we have our usual general trivia segment, which is Pop Quiz Hot Shot. Here I have my Trivial Pursuit card. Barnyard right. buzzer is ready, All right. please. All right. And Geography Blue Wedge. Here we go. From what California community do you cross the border to Tijuana, Mexico? Uh, so I was a little early. Sorry. I'll recuse myself. And you probably uh, speak from experience, probably. Uh, that's from San Diego. No. Uh, oh. San Ysidro. Yeah, San Ysidro. Oh, okay. I've right. heard that, but I That's wouldn't right. be able That's to right. That's right. Sorry. All right. Pop culture pink wedge. The presidents of the United States of America, the mm-hmm. band, performed the theme song to what TV show? Oh. Colin. Was it... Uh... Oh, no, it wasn't. I was going to guess Malcolm in the Middle. That's They Might that's Be Giants. Right, they Might Be Giants. That's right. As I was halfway through, I realized. That's what I was going to guess. Um, oh. No, it's not Get a Life. That was R.E.M. Uh, pass. It's not Pete and Pete. Nope. No. 
Cleveland rocks. Oh. oh. The Drew Carey show. That's right. That's right. Huh. I knew it was a big, big hit show. Did not know that was them. A yellow wedge. What U.S. president coined the term axis of evil? Chris. George W. Bush. Correct. Yep. Yeah. And here's another question for you, Chris. Oh. <laughs> Purple wedge. What 2005 bestseller has the tagline, a rogue economist explores the hidden <laughs> side of everything? You buzz in early, Colin, Chris. <laughs> uh, Freakonomics. Freakonomics by yes. Stephen D. Levitt and Stephen J. Dubner. Green Wedge for Science. What skill do you possess if you can bend a spoon without touching it? Oh, sorry. Dana? Telekinesis. Telekinesis. That's right. Yes. And last De- deception, question. Deception, I believe, is yeah. the, <laughs> the accurate answer. Yes. The skill of deception. Right. <laughs> last question. Uh, in 2005, what basketball star was sworn in as a reserve officer in the Miami Beach Police Department? I knew you'd know this. That was Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille <laughs> O'Neal. His salary, do you know what his salary was? Oh, as the reserve officer? Mm-hmm. Is it $1? Oh, yeah. It is. Yeah, That's what I was, I was yeah, something guess, token too. like that. Right, $1 yeah, right, yeah. a year, yeah, sure. which yep, is yep. nothing compared to what he makes. Well, there, it's because they great... have to pay him something. Right. Right. Uh... Yeah. And he doesn't want to you know, elicit any taxpayers complaining, like, yeah, well, he right. doesn't need this $30,000 a year right. or whatever. Right. Yeah. Give it to somebody who deserves it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. There are these great stories of him. I mean, he, he really does have a genuine interest in law enforcement and has said many times that he would like to be a sheriff or a police police officer and so he there are these great stories of him going on ride-alongs you know and even busting down <laughs> doors like i mean can you imagine yourself as like you know yeah. a drug dealer or you're in your apartment and the cops break in the door and there's shaquille o'neal <laughs> well steven seagal is also yeah. a fan of law enforcement <laughs> yes. as well yes. is it, he's yes. a deputy isn't he yep yeah i smell a reality town. show he, it, it already is. Is. Oh, no, no, no. i mean the, the shaquille oh, o'neal together yeah well, <laughs> that would be weird shaq and steve <laughs> And we got our Kickstarter backer question here from uh, Shane Williams from Maine. And his question is a little bit of a mouthful. What English word that starts with an A in French is the Australian term for the British? English an word. An English word that starts, with, starts an with an A. It's used in the French language. In in the French, yes, Wait, used in the if, French if language. A French, if a French person were to use this word, it would they would be described would be how the Australians describe the British. Correct. Angles. No, <laughs> it is apple in French, which is palm, mm-hmm. and palm uh-huh. is the term Australians use to uh-huh. describe the British. Uh-huh. And uh, Shane himself mm. huh. is a, a Welshman. And huh. he says here, he's like, oh, Wales is the UK version of Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get angry letters from two places now. <laughs> <I know. Yeah. laughs> so these Kickstarter backer questions are just one of the, the cool things that we reward to some of our initial Kickstarter backers uh, who are generous enough to give us some money uh, to help us set and start this podcast up. Uh, so again, a big thank you to all the ones who donated money back in January. And in addition, there are a few individuals who really were extra generous. And one of the rewards for these uh, high-ticketed backers is that they get to choose our topic of the week. So today's episode is our first backer-dictated topic show. Yes. And uh, Nathan, uh, he gave us a ton of suggestions, including from uh, name origins. He's really into uh, mythological creatures from fantasy and, and video games. So for today's topic of the week, we're going to talk about monsters. I got a monster in my Monsters, mythological and uh, fantasy creatures. Big topic, but a a wonderful topic. Yes, a wondrous. Try and scratch the surface. And I'm going to start off uh, with a quiz. Oh, so get your buzzers ready. Get this buzzer back here. All right. This quiz, uh, I'm going to call it the Monster Body Part Mashup Quiz. Okay. So in in many cultures, a lot of monsters are a a hybrid representation of multiple animals uh, featuring different body parts from different creatures. So for this quiz, I'm going to describe the the makeup of this monster's uh, animal parts. 
in his body, mm-hmm. and you have to identify the monster. So, for example, uh, if I say body of a horse, torso of a human, you would say... Centaur. Centaur. Yeah. Centaur, correct. And uh, these monsters are, are pretty common in okay. literary and mythological references, so nothing too obscure. Here we go. Okay. Number one. Half snake, half person. Uh, 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 Darn, I uh, knew this. I know this too. Uh, it's chilling me. It is a naga. Naga. Yes. Naga. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yes. Yes. Ugh. All right. In Final Fantasy games and, and Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> okay. This creature has the body of a lion and head and wings of an eagle. Colin. That's the I'm... griffin, right? Correct. It is the griffin. I buzzed it. <laughs> Get a louder buzzer, Dana. Oh, my God. <laughs> and griffin is also known as the king of birds. Oh, huh. okay. The, the king of all beasts. Very kingly. And right. a lot of flags and, and such. This is a two-legged dragon with a rooster head. Oh. Is that a uh, chimera? Incorrect. Mm. It is a cockatrice. Oh. This creature has snake hair, wings, and sometimes boar tusks. <laughs> oh, I know. I, I mean, snake hair. I just, I'm going to say I'm Medusa. It's not Medusa. Uh, okay. It's oh, a sorry. Gorgon. Yes. A Gorgon. I knew yeah. that. I it knew that. is a Gorgon. Yeah, that's like calling a vampire a Dracula. Darn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. This creature has a human face. A lion body, a scorpion tail, and occasionally dragon wings. Uh, is that a sphinx? Incorrect. Gosh. This is, in fact, a chimera. Incorrect. <laughs> it is a manticore. Oh. oh. That's right. The scorpion tail. So. Do you know what you do with a manticore? What? You throw it away after you're finished eating the manta. okay this has a body of a lion tail that ends with a snake head and a head of a goat on the back Mm. chimera yes Yes! (laughs) i didn't want to say it this (laughs) this in fact is a chimera which a lot of the lore that we see with Chimera, they kind of look more like dragons yeah. or, or manticores, but the quintessential Chimera is actually a really weird-looking animal. It has body of a lion, and the weird thing is it has a goat grown out of the back, like right. from the spine. Right. Very right. strange. Mm-hmm. It's more aerodynamic, apparently. Yeah. Right. Well. <laughs> you have less goat drag. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is a rabbit with deer antlers and sometimes a pheasant tail. Uh, Oh. Hey, jackalope. Jackalope. <laughs> okay, this is a horse with a scaly fish-like hindquarter. Oh, I think I've seen pictures of these. Merpony. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Merpony. It is called a hippocamp. Ah, that's oh. what it is. That's right. Yes. yes. So uh, in yeah, the famous right. Trevino right. fountain in Rome... Uh, one of one of the creatures is a hippocamp, right. and also in a lot of the the old paintings of King Poseidon, you know, riding on his carriage. Those actually are not horses; those are hippocamps. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. Right. I had to go to hippo camp when I was a kid. Oh. <laughs> they made us walk a lot. <laughs> oh. Okay, this is from Asian mythology. It's a dragon, lion. Deer and ox. In both Japanese and Chinese mythology. Famously known more as a beer name. Oh. Oh. This is the Kirin. Yes. Yes, the Kirin. Yeah, that's right. There's even a picture of it on the label. Yeah. Why is it so familiar? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And sometimes in some of the stores where they have the Kirin beer mini kegs, they actually include a little plastic spout that you put on the opening, and it's a little... Kieran. Oh, I like head. that. That's cool. And his mouth opens and the beer comes out. Okay, the last one. So we know a centaur is a man and horse. Yeah. What is a man and donkey? Oh, oh. oh. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to cackle. I know, I've heard of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It is called an Ono Centaur. Ono Centaur. Oh no, Centaur. O N O Centaur. Oh no, Centaur. Ono Centaur. Ono Centaur. And that is my Masha body part monster quiz. That's a good one. That's a good one. I thought you were gonna do Merlion. Oh, the one from Singapore. Singapore. Yeah, Merlion. Which is what? Which is what? It's it's a lion with a fish tail. Ah, okay. But with a lion. It's a better branded merpony. Yeah. <laughs> Merponies are coming back. Yeah. <laughs> My little merpony. <laughs> kind of speaking of Gorgons, I was going to talk a little bit about Medusa. So Medusa came up in trivia for us once, and we couldn't remember which Greek deity cursed her to have the snake hair and you know that's turn right, people right. into stone with her face. And the answer was Athena. And so I looked up the story, and I'll give you the Dana version of the story. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Dana's Notes version. Right. Medusa was a beautiful maiden, and she was in Athena's temple for some reason, and Poseidon raped her for some reason. Athena caught the rape happening and was mad at Medusa for it, not at Poseidon. Wow. And then decided to curse Medusa with the snake hair and the face. Um, Blaming the victim. I know. That is so effed up. So this isn't all of her beef with Athena. It goes on. and So I'm never going to forget that it was Athena who did this. So so Perseus goes on his journey and he has all these tasks and he got all these gifts from the gods. And the gift he got from Athena was the um, mirrored shield. And he used that very same mirrored shield from Athena to look at the reflection of Medusa and cut off her head with it. Oh, by the way, when he kills her, um, she's pregnant with Poseidon's child, and what comes out of her is Pegasus, the winged horse that he rides. What? And a golden sword comes out of her, too. (laughs) Wow. I want to see the sonogram of what that looked like. (laughs) Now, to the left of the sword here, I see some wings. (laughs) I don't don't understand what I'm looking at. Bird horse with... So Pegasus is the white horse with the big wings that wow. can fly. Pe- and, and its birthed. mom and dad is Medusa Poseidon and Poseidon. And Medusa. Yes. Wow. Whoa. Yes. I bet he thought he was adopted for <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. so And my brother is a sword. I look nothing like my sword. <laughs> Perseus uses Medusa's head as a weapon and turns people into stones, and the blood from her head turns into serpents in Ethiopia. Like It's intense, all the things he does with her dead head. And then he gives it to Athena at the end of his quest, and she puts it on her shield, and it becomes kind of part of her like suite of weapons. Her coat of arms. Yeah, her coat of arms <laughs> has, has a Medusa's head on her shield. Man, don't <laughs> so piss Athena off. Yeah. Or don't piss any of the Greek any gods Any of the off. Greek gods, They're yeah. pretty brutal. Yeah, they rarely take pity, and when they when they afflict you with things, they afflict you with things. They don't forget. Yeah, either. they don't yeah. mess around. Nope. Speaking of winged horses, so for this episode, <laughs> I decided to um, investigate uh, the origin story of the official, unofficial, uh, mythical animal of, of good job brain, the, the unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason keeps coming up podcast after podcast um, and I just I, I wanted to know like why this extensive centuries long fascination with, with unicorns like where did the idea of it come from like why is it so intoxicating to believe that there is a, a why Why the one horn you know like what what is the deal apparently there was a, a the first like written reference to the unicorn there was a Greek historian named Titius who wrote about seeing them in India and so basically what happened was like oh <laughs> Oh yeah, you guys! I totally saw these things <laughs> right. in India, where you'll never ever go <laughs> because you're going to live your entire lives like five minutes distance from the village where you were born. <laughs> but no, seriously, these things exist in India, and so that anybody who traveled around with the locals told me stories of the horse with one horn that kind of walks around in the forest and stuff like that. And and so a lot of it kind of comes from like um, apparently there were there were cave paintings of certain beasts and they were drawn in like 2D in profile, and so instead of drawing two horns. They just draw the one horn because that's all you could see in the in the profile. Oh. So this kind of comes into like, oh, but they only had one horn. There were creatures that they called like monokeros in Greek, meaning mm-hmm. like one horn. But like that's also where like rhinoceros comes from, mm-hmm. which yeah. is nose horn, right? And so like that might have all gotten a little bit confused in the telling and retelling in this, you know. And actually, what's what I didn't know until I started looking this up is that unicorns are mentioned in the Bible. 
like many times. What? Like, for instance, if I may do a dramatic reading from Job 39.9. Yes. Will the unicorn be willing to serve thee or abide by thy crib? Canst thou bind the unicorn with his band in the furrow? Or will he harrow the valleys after thee? And basically, like, a lot of this could be mistranslations of, like, again, like, monokeros, like, actually yeah. referring yeah. to actual, like, like an ox. Like, like that's what they kind of think is that the, the translation of these things into unicorn doesn't necessarily mean horse with, you know, one one antler and, and wings flying around the forest, but in fact, you know, just like an ox or something to that effect. But unicorns don't usually have wings, right? That's like the extra special spark. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah no, I don't that's think... That's after, yeah. That's after So market. no, in yeah. fact, so... so at for, least a Frank version of unicorns. So for right. centuries yeah. after this, you know, people believed in unicorns. People believed that somewhere out there, there were unicorns. And you're right, yeah, at that point, they probably didn't have wings. Horses with one horn. So, of course, they ascribe mystical powers to right. them. Because right. they're so like, like dragons and, as and well. In, in, like, yeah. in like medieval religious art, you see unicorns, and it comes to yeah. symbolize Christ and purity, and like unicorns can only be tamed by a virgin. That's right. You know? That's right, right. Um, they only I listen. did not yeah. know that. Yeah, 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 that yeah. seems like a really yes. clear allegory or metaphor. I, like a, well, I had a, I, uh, yeah. just a very quick aside. I did have an old art history professor. Who, <laughs> I thought who, you were going to say, actually, I did tame I did, a, I did tame a unicorn once. <laughs> when you were uh, a virgin. I was a virgin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I did have a, uh, an art history professor who, who, would, who would always point out that the obvious phallic symbolism of the unicorn having to be tamed by the virgin. And of all course. That right, right. Yes. And actually, people, oh, you just got that. Yeah, yeah. Ew. <laughs> it's always that. It's always Always, that's Ew. the matchup. <laughs> right, right, right. Whenever you're trying to figure out where anything yeah, came from, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's right. always that. Um, yeah. and, and people would actually take tusks from narwhals. You know, the whales that have like the one really long, oh, sure, sure. Uh, uh-huh. well, tooth is you know evolved from a tooth, right? Did you not know this? No, the narwhal tusk that My they have. My mind is getting blown left and right. <laughs> it's actually a it's a canine tooth, right, um, right. That just sort of evolved into this tusk, um, and, and it's spiraled, and that's what the unicorn uh, horn was supposed to. Be, it's supposed to be spiraled, and so people would take these and they would sell them as unicorn horns. Ah, that's clever. Which, quite frankly, yeah. I think that selling them as narwhal tusks is yeah. really <laughs> interesting because yeah. it's actually real. Well, but narwhals aren't magical the way unicorns are. I think narwhals are cooler than unicorns because they're in the ocean. Yeah, it's you're, even more you're not mystical. buying your narwhal horns in the right place that day. <laughs> no. You don't have to be a virgin to tame a narwhal. <laughs> 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 Let me tell you right now. <laughs> and now I be- and now I believe you may have seen this when you're doing your research. Didn't they at some time? I feel like in our lifetimes they've genetically engineered a unicorn, Ew, right? Am no. I am I totally making this up? Or no, I want to look it up. Now. Are, I want to Google this. Yes, that is actually um, it's kind of true. Like there are there. Well, okay. So per- helping to perpetuate this myth have been like you know drawings or descriptions of other animals that might have had one horn, but there may have been genetic you know uh, flukes where like a goat would be yeah. would just have uh, one horn right. you know like it, it's totally it totally makes sense i do have i do have a fascination with mer anything like yeah. mer anything is weird anything that that you see on land but it's like some sort of an ocean version right of, right it, yeah. is really weird and so of course we've mentioned this in our advertising show because we were talking about the starbucks logo lady which is a hmm. siren but specifically a specific type of siren that has the split, split tail. tail yep and of course, I'm like, well, how does reproduction work with that type of creature? Yeah. But then again, how do how does reproduction work for for mermaids? You know, for <laughs> for, for your garden variety yeah. mermaid, yeah. Let alone the split tail. We've talked about this before at great length. At right? great so length. So I'm interested to hear what you figured out. I did, out. I, guys. I did. Here we go. So much <laughs> mermaid reproduction and anatomy research. Here we go. How, how, how is, much? How is Merbabby formed? <laughs> Merbabby. I want, I want to know how much bad, like, uh, splash fan fiction you had to read. So, <laughs> so I, obviously, a lot of this stuff is not scientific. Hard uh, to believe. It, it's not scientific. But right. from a lot of different sources, from a lot of uh, pop culture or literary references and, and analysis, and there are um, uh, quite few vocal people who have written very extensive. Uh, theories uh-huh. about okay. uh, mermaid anatomy. Uh-huh. And so this is kind of like my boil down, you know, I've collected all these facts and I, I kind of categorize them. Really, there's four main, I guess, camps of uh, mermaid anatomy. 
And uh, the first one is very generic, right? They really are a fish animal uh-huh. that look like humans. And so, which means if they were to reproduce, they lay eggs. Bro, but Karen, we were like, what about the belly buttons? <laughs> that's See, a that's birth a, kind of thing. A lot of, that that's a thing because throughout history, there are a lot of different uh, depictions of mermaids. Yeah. We, mm-hmm. we know them probably known as more of the Disney variety where we have like the right. sexy shell bra. Right, right. The belly fish, button. Yeah, fish tail at the bottom and then topless lady on, on top. Exactly. And so there are actually a lot of different uh, depictions of that. So one of them is that they're they're actually fish creatures. The second one is that we've seen from Splash yes. is that mermaids can switch forms. And so there are a lot of uh, really? tales where you know, have people and once you get in contact with water, they become uh, their mermaid form. Mm. And so to reproduce that way, you would just wait until they're human form. I see. And have normal human mm-hmm. sex. And, and how does that work? <laughs> <laughs> well, when a man... <laughs> and so the third camp is a lot of a historical art. The, the mermaids are depicted. The fishtail doesn't start until below the genitalia. Oh. So kind of mid thigh is everything. where yeah. yep where the the tail starts and so they still have a womb, they still have human reproduction organs. Interesting. Basically. And so yeah, a lot of old art 1800s <laughs> and before depict mermaids just that pictures way. Pictures of mermaids. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I did. That was That's, my research. Yeah. Oh, okay. These people are just a bunch of old perverts. It just sounds like a, a cottage industry for pervy little artists. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> now, what if the tale started here? What if the tale started here? And our last camp is that they are more like dolphins and manatees. That they are they are mammals, but it's not uh, not scaly fish tails. They mm-hmm. do have tails, but not mm. associated with fish, but more so like dolphins or porpoises they have slits boys and girls have slits and all of their uh, genitalia is housed inside the slit and they Mm -hmm. come out when necessary i like that one because they're still mammals yes and that's i I think essentially the main issue with merpeople anatomy is that you know you're assuming that a mermaid is really a fish and human hybrid right which is a whole can of worms because Fish are cold-blooded and people are warm-blooded and how would that work? And so that's really the the main issue. Well, yes. uh, Speaking of uh, water-bound creatures, (laughs) (laughs) we're all about the forced segues on the show here. (laughs) Um, One of the monsters... Speaking of mermaid sex. Speaking of mermaid genitalia. (laughs) This is really... I I really want to thank uh, our high-donating backers for suggesting the show on mermaid junk. Remember, Uh, remember, listeners. It was a great idea. You you asked for this. You created this show. You might say you created this monster. Uh. One uh, monster as a kid that always fascinated me was the Loch Ness monster. Ooh. I was like, I was totally, I it, it's like for, I was a I was a little rational skeptic kid, even you know the way I am now. But I wanted to believe. I really wanted to imagine. You know, I, not growing up in in Western culture, I did not know it was a thing. Oh, interesting. Until I was mm-hmm. much older. I, I mean, it's you know, it, it's obviously and purported to live in Loch Ness, Scotland, and generally, you know, the most common depiction it looks like what we all think of when we think of sea serpent it looks kind of like the dinosaur with the long craning neck and yeah i mean you know the rumors are that it's been spotted and photographed and videotaped or filmed and all these things going back the newsflash they've never actually found one the idea is that it might be some sort of prehistoric creature that's yeah. a holdover people people who believe in it the most common theory is that it's like a, a pleosaur uh, sort of a holdover that somehow mm-hmm. managed to survive when all of the rest of its species were extinct and it's living in this you know, lake. And as, as a kid, I think I always had this idea, well, why don't they just drag a big net across the lake and, <laughs> yeah. you know, see what comes up, you know? I should have just asked you, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. dear Scotland, I, I think... <laughs> We keep getting these letters from this annoying eight-year-old in the States. We should just do it. We're going to drag it in. And I think, you know, Strike even uh, when uh, there's an episode of The Simpsons where uh, Homer gets roped into a, a Mr. Burns scheme to try and track down the Loch Ness Monster. And they, they show them kind of pumping the lake out, you know. And, yeah. And I sort of had this. But so I was doing a little research. I, I had no idea just how massive Loch Ness is. And so it actually, it, it gives some credence to the fact that there could be this creature lurking in there that's been there for hundreds and hundreds of years. 
years. The lake is is over twenty two miles long. Whoa! It is. It's just huge, huge, huge. It's it's over twenty two miles long. It's over a mile wide at places. I've read that the volume of water it contains, it's over 700 feet deep at its deepest. It's basically impossible to pop massive, it out. Massive, massive. You could fit, the, they say you could fit the entire world population in there. What? Um, in, what? That's what they say, and have okay. plenty of room to spare. So this is this huge, huge, huge lock, and it's murky, murky water. It's really hard to see through. There's a lot of debris in there. So the fact that it's so deep and so long and so wide, you could sort of sure. conceivably believe that there's a, a pleosaur maybe swimming around in there. Did they ever find bones well no i mean they, they've never found anything that's conclusive i, I mean i'm, I'm well, gonna say anything? obviously i'm gonna say okay. obviously because at this point i don't actually believe that there's a monster there but they they still one of the things that really fascinated about me about this even as a kid was that they kept sending all these missions out there you know and i was thinking well if they're sending out these scientific crews there must be something there you know surely all these grown-ups wouldn't pay all this money to go look for something <laughs> that i was a naive child <laughs> now it's a grown up with lots of hobbies. <laughs> right. They've sent side-scanning sonar out there. They've mm-hmm. sent uh, all sorts of crews out on the on the uh, the water trying to find it as far back as as far back as even the 30s, you know, serious uh, undertakings have been taken. And you know, there was one even into the into the 70s. They had a huge they called it the the big expedition, which was this was going to be the one. We're going to find it. Um, and they had developed a, a system of underwater microphones and they deposited them all throughout the lock and they were going to try and What's listen the conclusion? to it. Then. The conclusion is always inconclusive. It's yeah. always, well, yeah. we kind of saw this big mass of something, and there are theories that it could be algae blooms or trunks, uh, chunks of you know animal detritus on the bottom. The the most likely scenario to me seems to be it's either seals. There are known to be seals that live there, but someone other theories are that it's just simply a dead tree floating around. Someone had pointed <laughs> someone has pointed out though that uh, you know that there are several lochs in Scotland, and a lot of them have going back rumors of sea creatures living in there and someone had pointed out that the locks that have trees growing around them have the most stories of creatures uh, <laughs> living in them so it seems like kind of I don't know a little bit of a uh, prosaic mm-hmm. explanation people see all kinds of things the people do yeah. yeah so there is probably not a dinosaur living in Loch Ness unfortunately I know oh. I know eight-year-old Colin would be greatly disappointed oh I don't want a dinosaur when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, and uh, we have a mnemonic today, and it's kind of tied in. A new mnemonic? A, that's a new mnemonic. A, that's a, a new mnemonic. A new mnemonic. A new mnemonic. <laughs> and I made this one up. It is to help people to memorize the 12 labors of Hercules. Oh, good one. Because he had a whole bunch of labors. I think the, the famous ones is probably... The Hydra, killing right, the Hydra. Right. And the Hydra's big. Yes. The, the, the Nemean lion. The lion. Right. And then it's like, well, what are the other nine? I think there are there's a whole bunch stables, of them. right? He has to do something. Yes. Does it clean out the stables? Is that what it is? Yes. Yeah. Or, the big okay. stables with a lot of horse poop. Right. Um, yeah. So right. Here, here are the actual labors in uh, chronological order. Oh, excellent. So we have the, the Nemean lion. He had to kill it, right? Or he okay. had to get its skin. Oh, okay, its hide, which t- kill typically it. involves killing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I- I'm no expert. Uh, the hydra, the hind, which is a deer. Diana's a sacred deer. It's called a hind. Did he have to capture it or kill it? He had to capture it, but he ended up killing it. Mm. The hind, the boar, the stables, mm-hmm. uh, the birds, the bull, the mares. He had to steal a girdle, the cattle, and the golden apples, and Cerberus. So a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of labors. Really hard to... There's a, I mean, there's a story behind oh, each of those exactly. in there, right? Very extended story. How could we ever memorize the order of these? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked, Chris, because I have a little mnemonic, and it is... Little hyper hipster boy strains biceps busting moves. Girls can apply, certainly. <laughs> so actually, this is 
usually mnemonics we use the first letter uh -huh. so every word is actually uses the first two letters oh. except for moves okay i just okay. thought busting moves sounded better than originally i had busting macarena <laughs> <laughs> well using the first two letters makes a lot of sense for this because there's a lot that a are, lot of right, right. first letters. so let's yeah. go all right so line by line we got so little hyper hipster boy lion hydra hind, hind. Boar. Boar, okay. Strains, biceps, busting, moves, or macarena. Stables. Birds. Birds. Bull. Bull. Mares. Okay. Okay. And girls can apply certainly. Girdle. 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 Cattle. Apple. Apple. And, and Cerberus. Oh. Little hyper hipster boy, strains, biceps, busting, moves. Girls can apply, certainly. Very nice. Hopefully that will help you out. We've definitely had questions uh, in pub trivia about the labors of Hercules. Mm. Usually it's the first one or the last one. Yeah. Now you know all 12. And, of course, continuing our monster theme, we have uh, a bunch of monsters in pop culture that we would like to talk about. When I, when I saw monsters in popular culture and was asked to come up with one, it was like, well, Godzilla. Gojira! Gojira! A.K.A. Gojira, created in the 1950s in Japan. Now, we all we all understand that what Gojira is a, is a metaphor for, right? I mean, it is the, the terrors of the atomic age. It, exactly, yes. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gojira, is, the, the movie is just sort of manifestly about... I mean, Japan had just survived, like, the firebombing of Tokyo and then the nuclear annihilation of two yeah. of its cities. And mm -hmm. so it's working through these fears yeah. and, uh, and and sort of lingering emotions about nuclear disaster. And that was his main weapon, right? Well, I mean, that's where he came from. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. A, he was yeah. a lizard that was in a nuclear accident and grew to giant size. And they, they would bring these movies to America as well as Japan and just change the living heck out of them. These, these movies just went on and on and on. Trivia about Gojira, the name. Uh -huh. Do we know where the name comes from Ooh. it's one of our favorite things it's a portmanteau i was, I was just gonna say i don't know what it is but it i was is. gonna wager anything it's a portmanteau it is word. in fact oh oh, oh. Uh, is uh, it it's god god nope. uh never no no because cow. remember because remember godzilla <laughs> it, godzilla was a exactly, and it was a mangling of, mm. of it basically Go um gojira it's actually gorira gorilla uh. and kujira which is whale Ah. That that is that is absolutely gorilla true. whale. Gorilla whale. Gorilla whale. Portmanteau huh. of gorilla and whale. Like okay. Where's the whale, whale come in? Um, well, he lives in the sea. He comes well, out of the he's ocean. Big. He's big. Oh yeah, that is true. Yeah, he's big. Okay. And he, he's he his his home is in the ocean, right? And but that was always my favorite scene: is him slowly rising out of the coast. You know, water coming across the coast. Right. Do we know if it's a boy or a girl? I don't know that's ever, if that's ever been answered. Oh, okay. Ooh. If there's a movie called Bride of Godzilla, like see it. <laughs> <laughs> you know. He does uh, seem to be ex exhibiting a lot of testosterone. Because you guys keep saying he. What if it's yeah. a what It if could it's be a, a lady. Girl? It could be. It's true. And he has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, I also found out. He does. True story. Really? Yeah. Is it under Godzilla or Godzilla? Godzilla. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh -huh. Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah. Does it have uh, his 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 claw prints? <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, it takes no, up seven. A, yeah, seven. Seven. It's a giant. Footprint. He died in the movie originally, right? The very first one, or yeah, they weren't really big on continuity between all of those, <laughs> movies, especially because the movies would come over and get Americanized, right? But even in Japan, they were not exactly. They they actually did like the 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 first few Gojira movies, like they actually had continuity. Where like I think at the end of one movie, he was like frozen or something, and then you know was thawed out. Right. Um, and then actually, what what basically happened was he was supposed to be this like terrifying, horrible monster, right? But Japanese children started to love him, <laughs> um, and he became not quite a hero, but like an anti-hero. Like, he got more intelligent, mm. and what would basically mm. happen was some other Monster. more terrible yeah. force. Hence, like, Mothra, Mothra or Rodan. Yes, or... and then later on, Mecha Godzilla and Space Godzilla, but also, but <laughs> yeah, worse monsters would show up. Then he would end up saving Earth by battling these monsters and then retreating. He's like the T-Rex from Jurassic Park uh, yeah. saving from the Velociraptors. He was still a real jerk, you know? But, in the same, <laughs> but it's like, you, you, it was a way of sort of positioning him where you could... It was more that he was misunderstood. Yeah, it wasn't that he was out and out evil. So, I'll, you know, going the other end of spectrum of history here, you know, we've got the modern day Godzilla. I was uh, doing a little research on the Cyclops. Um, I love the Odyssey. Yeah. I love the Odyssey. Uh, yeah, hands down. I mean, the, the most well known appearance of the Cyclops is Polyphemus, the head of the Cyclops guys right. on the island that Odysseus and his men uh, end up crashed on in the 
Odyssey. Also uh, played by John Goodman in Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Karen's favorite movie, yeah. as we discussed. That's right. Uh, I mean, they do appear a lot, though, in, in Roman and Greek writing. Um, you know, Hesiod talked about three Cyclopes brothers, Brontes. Thunder, steropes, lightning, and <laughs> these sound like American gladiators Ar- <laughs> or wrestling names. And Argies, bright. Clops count as a deformed human, or are they on their own a whole different species? They they were classically described as offspring of the gods. So you yeah. know when Hesiod when Hesiod talked about them, they were the offspring of uh, Uranus and Gaia. So that they had sort of divine origin. But what I got interested in is sort of the story uh, that I had read about the the origin maybe for these in real life there's a theory that part of the cyclops legend may have come from ancient dwellers in in ancient greece finding dwarf elephant skeletons if you look at the photo of a dwarf elephant skull it does the giant nasal cavity at the top of the elephant's skull looks not unlike a single eye socket and you know you have to remember that elephants you know the big trunk that's all fleshy flesh and cartilage and so that will all disappear all that will be left behind is this skull with a big cavity right in the oh, middle. Oh, that's where the nose go, not right, the eye. Right, that's right. And the eyes are on either side of the, where the hole comes out, right, basically. Yeah. Right, And so, oh. so what, you know, one theory is, and, and it definitely, they would have lived in Cyprus and Crete and Malta and around there. And, you know, being dwarf elephants, they would have been closer to the size of a human, of a, you know. A big like human. A right. And, yeah. when you know, yeah. when we talk about oh. giants, when we talk about giants now, you know, we imagine 30, 40 foot tall, but a lot of times in the class tales when they say giants they really just mean 10 feet tall 12 feet tall you know something like that i couldn't let a episode about monsters and pop culture go by without talking about romantic vampires you just want to talk about twilight you just want to talk about twilight (laughs) (laughs) i'm not a twihard but it's fun but i i think it's really interesting the difference between what happens in romantic vampire fiction and what happens in traditional vampire fiction because it's almost like it's almost like two different creatures so by yeah. romantic you mean the twilight and true bloods yes. and like basically they get a there's a lot of pushback saying that they're not real vampires or they really violate the traditions of vampires i think it's interesting to look at what the what the traditions are and what they are violating and what they don't and why mm. why they're violating certain rules of the vampire universe. Got it, got it. So I, I went over the list. It totally makes sense why the powers are the way they are. And I know people get really upset and they're like, they're not real vampires. But it makes sense. It makes sense in this Enlighten world. us. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. The, the thing about vampires being cold, that's pretty solid amongst all of them. They're, they are dead in, in True Blood and Twilight. Then... Vampires don't need to breathe oxygen. That's true. Really? Because they're dead. Oh, okay. 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 And then the whole thing about vampires being able to shapeshift or turn into bats Mm -hmm. or fly, Mm -hmm. like, they can't really do that. That's a more modern thing you're saying? No, that's the traditional. Oh, that's the traditional. You know, like, the the Dracula turns into a bat and flies away. The no reflections thing, vampires don't have reflections. That's not true in True Blood or Twilight. You can't Mm. see the reflection. Well, they've got to sit there and admire right. themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How are they going to do their hair? The same with the picture. How can you take a picture of your hot boyfriend right. with, with your camera phone? Yeah. If you... Hide it in your jewelry box. The thing about entering your house if they're invited or not. Mm. Right. Wait, I don't know that. There's a thing, uh, yeah, like vampires can only enter your house if you invite them in. Huh. And, and I've that. seen that referenced in many yeah, yes. modern yeah. tellings. Not so in Twilight. He comes into her room while she's sleeping all the time, constantly. Mm. But True Blood keeps that rule. The whole thing about sunlight. So that's the really that's a big part of vampire lore where sunlight burns your skin. Yeah. Burns their skin. Yeah, or that's why die. they're only out at night. They have to be back in their, you know, coffin, coffin. or whatever by yeah. sun up. Yeah. So this is a really this is the key one to romantic vampire lore and fiction is so in Twilight their skin is sparkly and that's why they can't go in the sun. Oh, it's people will know the that sun, they're vampires. It, just ident- it identifies yeah. them they're, as their cover yeah. will be blown. They won't okay. die. All right. In True Blood, they start to burn up in the sun, but it's not immediate. The whole sun thing kind of takes a back seat because it's kind of inconvenient to the logistics right, of the romance. Right, to the storytelling, right. right. So it's basically everything that's inconvenient to the logis- logistics of hooking up with a lady, with a human lady. <laughs> gets just, cut. We'll so the whole thing, yeah. vampires drink human blood. They'll kill you if they drink you or convert you right away to a vampire. No, not in romantic fiction. They, they can kill you. They do like human blood, but they can also eat animals. Well, they have to leave or... time for the seduction, yeah, as right. you say. Yeah. But if you're just like a juice box and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's not... So the thing with the, the vampires and 
romantic vampire fiction is that they have special abilities. They have um, telepathic powers, or sometimes they can they run fly. really fast. They, yeah. they know what you're thinking. They can glamour you and convince you to do things, which does turn up in traditional vampires sometimes. It's yeah. just all about seducing the ladies. Right. So. so, okay, Dana and Karen, having discussed this, why are vampires sexy? I don't know. Why, why are girls so intoxicated with the idea of their boyfriend being a vampire when they're teenagers? Ah. Is it like an escape fantasy? Like I think it's maybe like the bad boy archetype, but heightened, right? Mm. Amplified, like, mm. oh, they're mysterious and they could hurt me but it's kind but of this alluring. one really likes yeah, but this me, one really he, won't yeah, exactly. me. He, he won't could, hurt me he but he won't they're so abusive those books it's weird I, I why do people like this but then but, again we're you know we're we're not teenagers I, I feel like maybe it does fill some sort of emotional yeah traffic jams tailgating pile-ups oh the joys of driving how could it get worse the federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Uh, well, I have a uh, quiz prepared. to Our final quiz final segment. Move away from monsters, not to, monster themed. To the here. buzzers. Yes, to the buzzers. This is a common thread quiz. Uh, the name of this quiz is Black and Blue. Somehow the questions or the answers will all have some connection to black or blue. Or both, perhaps. Oh. All right, we'll start off with a, uh, a simple one here, a 50-50. I know you guys like this. All right. Uh, so, you know, I hate in... 50-50. <laughs> it seems like we always get them wrong. In the American Civil War, uh, we associate blue and gray with the mm-hmm. two common uniform colors. Uh, which side wore blue? Oh. I think that was Chris. Union. Yeah. yeah, it was indeed the Union. It wasn't until sort of as the war really got underway that they were really standardized. In the, in the early days, they had all kinds of crazy uni- <laughs> uniforms. Even, I mean, just within a one side, you could have blue, gray, reds, blacks, different styles. And yes, as you can imagine, it looked a little confusing. Unlike a, you know, a war at sea, you really didn't have that much time to prepare right. uh, for right. them attacking you. Like they were just across the street, basically, in some cases. <laughs> yeah, 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 right across it's the like, bottom. put on whatever you have. By what name was Edward Teach, T-E-A-C-H? By what name was Edward Teach more commonly known? I think that was Chris again. It, it, Blackbeard the Pirate. Yeah. It was Blackbeard oh. the Pirate. Yes, yes. What was his name again? Edward Teach? Edward yep. Teach. Mm-hmm. The, the archetype of the pirate image, yeah. This actor made his film debut in Tim Robbins' movie, Bob Roberts, in 1992, as a fan of the title politician. I'm waiting for you to finish, sorry. Uh, Jack Black. It was Jack Black. Uh, uh, a young Jack Black playing a... Very young. Uh, very young conservative fan of uh, Bob Roberts. Nice. All right, so are you guys familiar with Otter Pops? You guys know yeah. they're frozen treats, right? So you know how they all have these terrible puns associated with them? Yes. So very quickly, if you don't know what Otter Pops are, they're, I don't. they're col- brightly colored uh, sugary liquid that comes in a plastic tube and you freeze it and then you kind of push them out and eat it like a popsicle but each each of the colors has a character associated with it so i'll give you a couple here so for example the purple ones famously are alexander the great and (laughs) the 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 green one is sir isaac lime and they have these little cartoony pictures of them yeah what is the blue character dana is it Louis Blue? Yes, absolutely. Wow. Good call. Louis Blue what Raspberry. What does he look like? French. He's kind of Frenchy. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> yes. He has a beret and yes, a striped shirt. Right, right. So. Louis Blue Raspberry. That's right. I had to go to hippo camp too. <laughs> <laughs> In the saying, pitch black or black is pitch. But what is pitch? Oh. It's like tar or asphalt. Yeah, or, yeah right. basically, it is. Yeah, that's right. It's it's uh, it, it can be like a part of a family, but it's basically a, a byproduct of petroleum products or plants. It's like yeah. tar, resin, believed to be like some of the least viscous substances on the planet. There's a really interesting experiment called the pitch drop test, where they put some pitch in a funnel and it's been dropping for uh, decades and decades. Oh, yes, right. yes, yes. yes. Oh, it's amazing. It's voted lowest viscosity liquid in yeah. Viscosity Today magazine. <laughs> <laughs> Five years running. 
the Fiji crested iguana was previously unknown, and it was discovered because it appeared in this 1980 movie where it was spotted by herpetologists as a creature they had never seen before. Whoa. The Fiji crested... Karen. Blue Lagoon. Correct. The Blue Lagoon. So this is an amazing story. So they they filmed in Jamaica and uh, Nanuya Levu, which is an island in Fiji. And apparently there are some uh, iguanas there that had never been documented before that just showed up in the filming. Oh my God. And uh, so a herpetologist named John Gibbons was watching the movie and is like, I don't know what that iguana is. And this is my area of expertise. So (laughs) he, after the film, he flew to the island where they filmed it and decided discovered the Fiji crested iguana and it was uh you know entered a new species a new species a hitherto unseen species he didn't species. name it after himself well you know he showed some remarkable Missed restraint opportunity yeah. <laughs> so in addition to Brooke Shields and Christopher Atkins nude the Blue Lagoon also gave us an iguana All they right. should have given the movie like a special award <laughs> for uh, outstanding achievement in iguana iguana <laughs> yeah. discovery yeah, yeah. alright we'll, we'll close it out here with a couple uh, musical questions here so you know we always have these band names Original mm-hmm. band name, oh. started as this, went on to that. I, I love these, personally. All right. What legendary musician and singer was originally in a band called The Blue Flame? And I will give you another clue. They were sometimes known and referred to as Jimmy James and The Blue Flame. Karen. Jimi Hendrix? Correct. Yes! Jimi Hendrix. That's right. He, he originally started out performing under the name Jimmy James. And uh, had a band before the Jimi Hendrix experience called uh, the Blue Flame. Sometimes, sometimes incorrectly referred to as the Blue Flames. Uh, I have Just learned. one flame. Yes, a single okay. flame. What British band was originally known as the Polka Talk Blues Band? Chris Black Sabbath. Correct. Nice. Did you just pull that out? Oh well, I, yeah. I was thinking of the colors and yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, so that one's a good one. It goes both ways. Yes. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Ozzy Osbourne relates the story that he uh, Polka Talk. He he took the name from a, uh, a can of talcum powder in his mother's bathroom. Mm. Is is huh. the way that he relates the story. Cool. And that's what I got. Black All and right. blue. Nice. Good. Black and blue. Awesome. All right, and that is our show. Thank you guys for joining me, and thank you guys, listeners, for listening. Hopefully, you guys learn a lot of stuff about uh, mermaid genitalia. (laughs) And whatever else it is we talked about. (laughs) Unicorns, but mostly Unicorns hooking up with mermaids. (laughs) Merponies, sexy vampires. And you can find us, of course, on Zune Marketplace, on iTunes, and also on uh, Stitcher. If you use Stitcher, we're also on Stitcher. And also our website, which is goodjobbrain.com. And we will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Thanks. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.